worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. The week that was presses on here on 1480 WHBC into the second half of the second hour of the show here. And pleased to be joined in studio by... State Rep. Thomas West and now Pastor Walter J. Arrington, and we're going to discuss Black History Month and why it's so important and why it's still, I guess, top of mind for everyone to recognize these, you know, what is it, 29 days now this month? But what makes it, just open the the table up here, but what makes it such an important time for us as a country and and such an important time for everyone to recognize? Well, first of all, thanks for allowing me to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. And this is one of those subjects that where do you start? Mm -hmm. Um, And so to just dive right in, um, why is it so important? Um, And you mentioned 29 days. That's almost a travesty that Mm -hmm. we take 29 days to really focus and uh, highlight, amplify Black History Month has been reduced to a month where the history of black people in this country uh, goes all the way back to its inception. And um, and so to deal with that, we have to deal with it because black history is so important to American history. Mm-hmm. Without black history, there would be no American history, really because of the contributions that people of color have made to this nation, um, particularly in the hull of the ship, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, the the contributions, the inventions, uh, the resources that people of color have been um, back to even when 1619, when we set foot at uh, Jamestown, our contributions have been invaluable and for them to have been denied or supplanted, meaning other people taking credit for it and not giving the credit where it is due. Um, I appreciate, don't get me wrong, I appreciate the fact that we do have at least 29 days to focus on it, but it certainly is not enough. It's not commensurate with uh, the commitment, the dedication, the blood, sweat, tears, lives, sacrifices that have been made across the years to make this nation already great. And um, and so when we focus on black history, what I would like for people to recognize is uh, we as people of color are so inextricably tied to this nation, past, present, and future, And the unfortunate thing is people don't recognize that in order to take advantage of those peculiar and particular resources uh, so that we can even be greater than what Mm. we already are. Mm. Well, and and watching the the debate last night, I, I always feel like when I hear discussions about race, about race relations, about things like that, that 
so many people are still tone deaf to how to have that conversation. And I still feel like that conversation that's being had, I don't know what can be done to improve that conversation, but I know that, as you said, the struggle, the plight, the the constant everyday struggles that still face people of color, I feel like people don't realize it, do they? Some do, some don't. The The conversation is thwarted, I think, by a number of things. And one of those I believe that's most or, or quite a bit significant is political correctness. Mm. It's difficult in today's world to speak truth because somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Mm. People don't know how to handle the truth. One of the things that this current administration has done has dumbed down the purpose and the effect of truth because truth according to a number of people, is not truth anymore. Mm. Truth is whatever I believe. Truth is whatever I say. Mm. And so we become anesthetized, if you will, to the truth. So to speak truth to somebody is really difficult because now people don't have to listen. They don't have to take it. They don't have to believe it. They don't have to speak it even. And so that works against us because if we're ever to get anywhere we have to learn how to speak truth, number one, to our own selves, and then to those in our circle of contact and our circle of influence so that everybody's on the same page. Let's put it on the table. And one of the things, one of the things that really irks me is when white folks, uh, the dominant culture, if you will, <laughs> Hey, say it as it is. Is when white folks say, when I look at black people, I don't see color. To me, that's an insult because what they're trying to say is you are not. I don't see you as who you really are. I don't mind people see my, my color. I'm real deep, dark chocolate. Okay, <laughs> and I don't mind people knowing that and seeing I guess that, that must be milk chocolate. And uh, well, you're a little more caramel. <laughs> okay, I, that's not an issue for me and and for many of us. I want you to know that I'm a brother. I'm a brother. The Lord made me that way. I wouldn't want to be anything else. I don't feel like a second-class citizen. I know that I'm not. I am who has made me to be. He's made me to be this for a purpose, interwoven into the fabric of his creation. And there's a purpose for that. He has given me and us, all of us, white, black, yellow, brown, whatever the case might be, purpose in life so that we become a part of this great mosaic and what white folk has done is denied the benefit of working with uh, um, assimilating people of color into the mix can i get biblical for just a second here absolutely joseph who was one of Jacob's 12 boys, 12 sons. He was the next to the youngest. And if you know the story, his brothers hated him. And then it said they hated him more and more. Anyway, so much they sold him into slavery, right. down into Egypt. Mm -hmm. Joseph kind of represents the black man in America because he was sold there, but and he became a slave and a prisoner, but he never had a slavic mentality. And even Potiphar, who was over the prison and all of that, and Pharaoh himself recognized that Joseph had 
Joseph had special favor from God on him, and their homes were blessed as a result of Joseph being there. America is blessed as a result of black people being here because we have the favor of God on us, not to the exclusion of white folks or anybody else, but we are among God's favored people. And unless people really recognize that and take advantage of it, they're going to lose. And we are going to lose in terms of not achieving the uh, highest level that we have the potential for. And so it's time past us melding together in this great melting pot to become the America that we have a potential to become because what a wonderful resource black people are to this nation. State Rep. Thomas West Man. and Pastor Walter J. Arrington join us. And Pastor Arrington and, and Thomas, if you would speak to this too, when I was in college, my roommate and I, we would have a discussion so many times about the reason why racism oftentimes permeates our cultures because people don't want to ex extend hands to understand differences mm -hmm. in each other. They don't want to extend hands to understand differences in culture, in ways that people, you know, eat, sleep, pray, do all different types of things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know as a society how we get there, but I, I, I think it's a it is a tumultuous road to get to that point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But you know, and I, I went to a college, I went to Mount Union, of course, you know, was, we were in a minority there. Mm -hmm. Um but I will say most of the time when you see those types of racism raising its ugly hair, if you will, most of it derives from fear. They're afraid of a particular thing, a per particular person, or they're afraid of losing their power. Uh, a lot of times and oftentimes in my mind, racism occurs because of big fear. What do you think? Well, it, that's one of the issues right there. And the reason for that is people of color from the beginning, we have been villainized and we've been made the bad guys even in the media a lot of presentations of black folks especially brothers men is negative thugs criminals drug addicts etc ad infinitum yeah. and so because that becomes a part of our breathing america's a racist nation period let's get beyond that that's truth right there however we can overcome that when we recognize it because little children in their homes are being taught about other races, not only black folks, but other races. And so those opinions are set early. People are dyed in the wool. They bring to the table with them a certain perception of people of other cultures, other ethnicities, etc. And those prejudgments precipitate the fear that you talked about because if you just see uh, 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 flashes of negativity coming from a certain race that becomes a part of your psyche so if you're walking down the street and and and, and there's five or six uh, men coming at you brothers with hoodies on etc oh, yeah. pants down then you're going to be more intimidated if there was a group of white men in business attire 
that's just in our psyche and we've got to get beyond that but again it starts with the honest conversation people have to be honest with themselves and all of us have our issues black folks we got our issues oh, yeah. that we need to deal with when it comes to a number of things of, uh, among which discipline is included and until we're honest about those things we're not we're going to continue to go around and around in circle my dad would say it this way we're going to continue to chase the devil around the stump and not get anywhere because we've got to step it up to some realities that's facing us every day. And our perception, and sometimes I wonder why are perceptions so different when we're looking at the same thing? Take the current administration. You can ask 10 people oh, yeah. uh, uh, from different ethnicities about this administration, and you will get perhaps as many different answers. There are some things I look at and say, how in the world can people accept that, yeah. knowing that it's not the truth? And yet we still turn, the bl turn a blind eye to that. So I think the biggest issue that's facing us is dealing with the truth. And truth is not relative. Well, and then even when we look at politics and we start looking at the way uh, policies have affected the African-American person okay. and community. Uh, mm -hmm. So when we talk about, you know, when it came down to separating or breaking up black families, you know, you had the government who said, you know, uh, we will give uh, your family some money, some food stamps and some medical coverage if the husband is no longer in the house. Because he can't take care of it. Absolutely. That breaks up the family. So then when you break up the family, you're almost taking off the head of that household. Well, and isn't that where the term like institutionalized racism kind of comes into play in a sense, too, that resources are given to people who aren't people of color opposed to yeah. people who are people of color? I mean, it's 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 at least. That, well, you know, you look at even the, when you look at the policy this past week and that we did it at choice. Now, we're giving vouchers to people of, uh, even in suburban areas, right? People that have income. Even though it's meant for low income, but they can also still get these vouchers. But we're not asking them to go on some kind of work plan. But yet we're asking mothers that do food stamps to go on work plan. There's some implicit bias there that we need to address. So it always happens in government. So you're right. Yeah. And, and see, there is a diabolical scheme that is unleashed on us, number one, as a people, but then in particular people in certain places to accomplish a certain end. And one of those things is to, and it's been that way in perpetuity from the beginning, get the black man out of the home. And whether it's institutionalized, whether it was the clan that came by and snatched Papa out of the house, took him outside and hung him from a tree. It, the black man has been the target because he's, he's a threat in different ways, and many of those ways are negative to other folk. And so if they eliminate him, in other words, and, I th and Susan Taylor, who spoke at the breakfast uh, a, a few weeks ago, addressed this. When the, the man is out of the home, the home is like a head, a chicken with his head, head cut off. off. Exactly, and 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 that is the, the the man. Period. But in particular, the black man is the target to eradicate him out of the mix. And if you just take a a glance across the landscape of society, you will see that evidently. Mm -hmm. Thomas West, state representative, joining us as well as. 
Pastor Walter J. Arrington. We continue our discussion when we come back on Black History Month, on race, on so many different topics this morning. And I thank both of them for being here and can't wait to hear what they have to say next when we come back. I always wish when we're on the radio here, John Bozica with you on the week that was this morning. I always yeah. wish that we could have a a running microphone through the breaks because I feel like <laughs> that's when the discussions get really good. But um, John Bozica, Thomas West, State Representative, and Pastor Walter J. Arrington joining us um, here in studio. And, and, you know, it's fascinating. We were talking and I was explaining to both of you during the break that my fiance Allie teaches up at Cleveland, John Adams, and yeah. just some of the things that, I mean, I wasn't exposed to before that. And it's not because it's not something that I wanted to learn about, but it's something that, you know, would have never crossed my mind. And I was telling both of you that the term food desert, which I'm sure to a lot of people listening right now, they probably have no idea what I'm talking no about. Clue. But yeah. to people that live in urbanized areas that don't have a lot of money, that's mm-hmm. a serious issue each and every day. Oh, yeah, especially if you're on the transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, trying to get groceries, trying to find a store that's close. I mean, you drive around, and, and you're driving for a while. And oftentimes, you're finding a Dollar Tree uh-huh. or something like that, and you're shopping there. And, of course, as you know, they don't have fruit, fruit and vegetables, and they don't have all the healthy, nutritious foods. And what you find is these individuals filling up their baskets full of junk mm-hmm. and their kids eating junk because that's the closest store they can get to. If you go downtown Canton, you know, Fisher's Food used to be on Cherry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's no longer there. I know that a food bank is coming, but it's not a grocery store that covers with, you know, all your fruits and vegetables and things of that nature. So you have inner city people that don't have transportation, and they're walking, and the only place they're going is to the Dollar Trees, mm-hmm. you know, to those smaller places. And, and that's not nutritious enough. And then that, again, adds to our health care costs down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and there's no easy way around that right? at this point. There really isn't. Yeah. And one of the questions that I have is why are these deserts more often found in, quote, unquote, urbanized areas, which is often a buzzword for the black community? You know, why are there often shortages of not only food but many things with us? Mm-hmm. You see, all you need to do is look around and you get an ocular demonstration of the plight of people, particularly black people. And and when you're talking about being at uh, John Adams uh, um, in Cleveland, one of the things that I think we need to address is where children, students, young folks are, period, in this country, uh, without having a, 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 a dual-parent home. Uh, children, are, and, and that was one of the things that she addressed, was the food desert type thing. But children, it really, and I'm, I'm out there, are really off the hook without respect and discipline. It used to be parents would raise children. Now it seems like children are raising the parents. And so we got so many convoluted dynamics that's working against us, and it doesn't seem like people recognize it, and some of them don't recognize it because they don't want to, and it's off the hook, and and people are not speaking up. That's one of those political things. You can't correct your child anymore like you used to. At least some folk can't and don't like they used to. And when there's an absence of discipline 
anything goes and we run into all kind of thing the food desert is, is is one thing and and that just lets us know that listen all of us have our prejudices yeah we all do about a number of different things and then there are those prejudices that looms large where people's lives are being affected at a greater rate and deeper level than the norm and if we're really going to be who we say we are and we want to be, we've got to address a whole lot of things and we've got to get to them real quick. Well, and the thing is, is people don't realize, too, what it's like to go into a situation and already having that deck stacked against you. Yeah. You know, and already being in that situation of saying, well, you know, here's the first five cards off the top and, you know, you have no chance of winning. Right. You know, and, and there are so many times where it's like, you hear that story, but because people don't live that story, they don't understand that right, story. Right. And that's why, unfortunately, and that's why you need people in positions of leadership that have been there, that have seen that, that have done that, that understand that so that that trickles down to the people that are in those situations. Correct. Yeah, correct. And unfortunately too many people in those positions of leadership are disconnected from the people themselves. So they're not representing the people. They're representing their particular group, their base, if you will, and others are left out of the loop. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I think I'm just going to relate it back to state politics. And I know as I am now at the state level, I belong to the Ohio Legislative Black Caucus. And now as a result of me being at the state level, the first African-American uh, state representative for Stark County, mm-hmm. I'm able to see a lot more that can help a lot of the African-American community here that we traditionally didn't have as much. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the other legislators didn't, you know, sure. know those, but they have, they're filling pockets. But now we are a more diverse team and can realize the fullness of the resources at the state and bring it home because my right. viewpoint is a lot different than what theirs are. And we both and all of us now have a voice at the table. Stark County has a full voice at the table instead of a partial. Hold that thought. Can you guys stay for a little bit longer? Yes, mm-hmm. a little bit. You yeah. capable of doing that? You are. You're I good. Think so You're I got to go to uh, something. Oh, Paul Martin's getting uh, honored right. today. Yes, That's okay. Right. Like fifteen yeah. more minutes. Yes, I can yeah. do that. All right, yeah. fine. When we come back, Pastor Walter J. Arrington, State Rep. Thomas West, John Bozica, the week that was presses on. Final hour of the week that was with Joe Palmasano. It's John Bozica with you today, though. No Joe Palmasano. He was in uh, Columbus last night as Buster Douglas and. Uh, Jeremy Schapp and uh, Archie Griffin and so many other great names great were names. all part of a, an event down there. And um, as is always the case with, with Mr. Palmasano, he finds himself in those <laughs> situations of always getting to meet people that are really cool. You know, and I love Joe because, you know, I tell you, last week we were able to pass uh, the Buster Douglas Day uh-huh. officially. And I, I, when I seen him, I thought I could take him. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> That's Thomas West that you hear, the state representative. But I'll tell you what, you know, you could, you, you know, I really want to thank you for uh, having us on today because I know Joe Palmasano and I always talk about issues like this. Mm-hmm. We talk about those deep, dark, and those sensitive issues. And I tell you what, um, I'm always thankful for him to be able to listen to this. You know, when 13th came out. You know, that was a major story, and I sent it to him, and he watched it at night, and you would have seen all these uh, texts I got that night uh, because he was aware of not only seen it, 
it affected him in ways. And then I came on the show and we talked about it. But that's what I'm so thankful for the uh, this show here because you're not afraid to talk about issues yeah. like black history, like, you know, uh, prison reform, you know, all of those things that happen mm-hmm. in communities each and every day. Joe's not afraid. So uh, I'm glad that he's out there with the champ, uh, you know, knocking some blows. Stay Rep. Thomas West with us and Pastor Walter J. Arrington with us as well. And um, we we discussed food deserts and that deck being stacked against yeah. the, the black community when we last left the, the show. And we were talking through the break again and again. I wish these microphones were on through it. But the one discussion that came up was the thought of that people don't realize the trauma that's faced by yeah. a a you know, inner city kid each and every day at a school that, you know, on one day they could come to school and their best friend is sitting across from them. And the next week they could come to school and that kid might've been part of a drive-by shooting or Mm -hmm. something that, and people would say, well, that doesn't actually happen. It happens with quite a lot of regularity. It does. It does. And a lot of black communities, you know, you're finding a lot of trauma when you talk about individuals getting shot or hearing gun bullets every night. That that creates a trauma. Uh, again, you won't feel safe. Matter of fact, if anybody hears a, a gunshot in a prominent area, you would see an outrage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen a drive-by shooting and a bunch of people got shot, you know, in certain areas of town and suburbs, you would see them shut down the school and you would see a number of uh, professionals, mental health professionals out there. Each and every day you find African-Americans and, and inner cities throughout the state of Ohio who are witnessing deaths of their family members, who are witnessing their father or mother dragged out by a, a police officer who they thought is there to serve and protect, but then they beat him upside their head. And these kids, the next day, they're still going to school. And then we want to know why this kid is acting out or acting up. And then that kid continues to go through without having some type of treatment some type of screening, this person ends up into a juvenile detention home or worse yet in prison or dead or possibly dead. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that we need to have some kind of urgency on. We all got to see that these families in inner cities and we got to address these families in inner cities that are experiencing traumas like that on a regular basis. It's almost normalized in some of their situations, but it's not. Because internally, these people are experiencing PTSD, but we're not seeing it. You know, we're not treating it. And then it's, it's, it's also exacerbated because a lot of African Americans don't want to go to counseling or mental health. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Pastor Arrington, isn't that kind of what you were hitting on earlier, too, about the fact of the, I won't say stereotype, but the image that's put out of a young black male or something Mm -hmm. that it's like, you know, if you see them coming towards you, there's a higher thought that like people might feel alarmed by that than not. And I I feel like that, I mean, it's all kind of like it ties into each other yeah. and it's, and it's a big rope that all ties around, but it's like, I don't know how you bridge the gap between all of that and figure that out. Yeah. And I don't know. (laughs) Everything is interconnected and interrelated, even with people. However, in these United States, there's a great division, there's a great disparity, and there's a great disconnect because we can 
people can live in a vacuum and never have any concept of what Mr. West was just talking about because they don't have to come in contact. Even here in Stark County, uh, people can do their everyday stuff and never have to come in contact with a person of another ethnicity. And so there's a great disconnect and there's great disparity the way that we have been trained to approach different situations. As long as it's not in my home or on my doorstep, what does it matter to me? But when it comes inside, then let's alarm the whole neighborhood or the whole county. When the same thing even doubled was happening right down the street two weeks ago, two years ago, two decades ago, and it was as if I had no knowledge of it at all. And that's where the great disconnect comes in. And and when it goes back to the leadership being representative of its constituency, there's a disconnect in that. And so I appreciate what what uh, Tom West, uh, uh, the Black Caucus, and, and even others. And let me just say this. All white folk are not against black people. I understand that. And I'm saying this tongue in cheek. Right. Some of my best friends are white folk. Uh oh. <laughs> How, so, so people don't get me wrong that uh, this is our problem and you are the cause of it and all white folk don't like black, all that kind of stuff. That, that's as far from the truth as a person can get. We all are in this together and we have to act like it. That's well, and, true. and a story that I was thinking about and it, and it goes back to the trauma that's faced that, was a story that uh, a former teacher of mine told me that she said when she taught at um, Akron Garfield years yeah. ago that yeah. she was in class one day and, and a student kept sleeping through every class mm. and she approached the student afterwards and she said, why are you sleeping? Like, you know, you should be paying attention. And he said, well, I couldn't sleep last night. And she said, well, why is that? And he said he had to sleep in his bathtub to avoid mm. the bullets from going through his bedroom. Mm. And that's, that's the true. thing is that wow. people, people don't hear that. Yeah. People don't see that. And obviously people don't live that. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't want anyone to go through that and you don't want anyone to experience that. But sometimes the only way to understand that is to go through that situation, to see that situation, to live that situation for a bit. And I don't know how you get people to understand that because you go up to some people and you tell them that and you're like, well, that's crazy. There's no right. way. That's like a movie. That couldn't yeah. actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, you look at uh, even the old days, uh, you see New Jack City. Remember them, that, that movie back in the day and all the drugs and things of that nature that was in that project? That lived in project. That lived right here at Skyline Terrace. You know, people were taking over people's apartments and, you know, selling drugs out of their house. And their kids was right there living that trauma. And those kids now are probably, you know, they're adults in our community, mm -hmm. you know, rolling around or most of them might be in prison. I don't know. But I'm, I'm here to say today that we all have to start looking, opening up our eyes and our ears at, to addressing the human race, uh, the race of all Stark County citizens, all of Ohioans, and making certain that we lift all of us up. Uh, versus tearing each other down. And when we stop tearing each other down and lifting each other up, Stark County will be a better place to live, work, and play, and the state of Ohio will be better as a result of it. Mm -hmm. And if I might, we sure. have to 
we have to, there has to be an awakening in America, in Ohio, in Stark County, in Canton, in, in everywhere, to who we really are and not to who people tell us we are. Oh. We're better than what people tell us we are. Even our leadership, we're better than that because that is inclusive to a certain segment and exclusive to others. And so, and, and listen, I'm a preacher, and I say it proudly <laughs> and without apology. Well, the problem is if we're going to resolve this, and I, and, and I don't know if I'll get a chance, but I need to say it now. We have to get back to the Lord because Amen. we have these are spiritual problems we're really dealing with at the root. And until we get back to the Lord, get back to church, black folks in particular, we grew up in knowing the who the Lord is in the church, celebrating even when we were under the thumb and under the foot. We've gotten away from that. We become Europeanized. And what we have to do is get back to our basic roots, and that is in the Lord. The Lord is the only resolve to our current current dilemmas and situations that we're in because no person, no program can help us get out. We've got to get back to the Lord because we are here, and, and he's allowed us to be here. He's the only one that's going to get us out. And we've got to recognize the humanity, Tom, as you just said, in each other. We are not animals. We are humans, and we have a heart, and we have to let that heart come forth and start loving one another again. I don't just love in the circle of black folks. It's incumbent upon me as a child of God to be loving to everybody. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the old uh, man on the Jericho Road story again, the Good Samaritan, where you oh, yeah. had the religious person come by and look. You had uh, uh, somebody else come by and look. And, and, and finally, one who was different ethnically from him, he came by, made a sacrifice so that he could see that this man became whole. We have to look out for one another so that we can make sure people are becoming whole because we are in serious trouble now that's the end of the first point of the sermon amen pastor <laughs> well, that is, and that is why to pastor errington and, and state yeah. representative west that is why these 29 days that i mentioned to start this discussion about black history it needs to go beyond these 29 days doesn't absolutely it? definitely absolutely and hopefully this is the start of that and hopefully yeah. this discussion this morning Got you, the listener, thinking. I know it got me thinking. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the goal, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It is. And, you know, black history goes so far beyond today. Uh, we need to continue to thrive and to continue to, you know, just lift people up for and, and, and get speak truth to what people are doing. And, you know, not just, you know, tuck it under, uh, you know, the closet that somebody did something special. But, you know, you mentioned Buster Douglas today uh, being recognized um, mm -hmm. in Columbus. You know, it's recognizing those uh, those victories of mm -hmm. of our, our our people here in Ohio, right, uh, and across America. We really got to start lifting people up and and honoring them, not just the Beyonces and the you know Jay Zs and those guys, but but lifting up the average guy, like you know Pastor Arrington here, you know, serving at People's Baptist Church for how many years now? I'm working on thirty four. All the years he's served and. And there's so many people in this community that 
are, you know, are part of our history here in Stark County and just lifting them up, okay, and recognizing the work that do they do and the accomplishments they do, no matter how little and how, you know, how big. It's just lifting them up and saying, you know what, they count. They, they matter and right here in Stark County. Can I say this one thing, and this is personal because I, I heard you talking about Joe Palmazano a minute yeah, ago. <laughs> I've never had the privilege Uh-oh. of meeting him. Oh, I listen to him uh, almost every week, and I, I, I know that one day, hopefully, I get a chance to meet him, but I miss him in. today when I'm at his place and he's not here. I'm not mad that uh, uh that john because i appreciate you as well i hear you on sports and et cetera, et cetera, and you're doing a great job i appreciate thank that. you so much for uh, entertaining us and allowing us to have this opportunity uh together to just share and this is just the tip of the iceberg it is, well, it is. and like i said this opened my eyes i hope it opened the listener's eyes and i hope that it's just the start of what is a giant snowball effect that needs to get rolling throughout the country um, Pastor Walter J. Arrington, thank you, sir. Yes. State Rep. Thomas West, as thank always, you. thanks for joining me as well. John Bozica on the week that was. I can say this. Next time I'm looking for a church to go to on a Sunday. Uh, go to people's. Come on, come on. We'll be glad. I'm going to find yeah, where Pastor you know. Arrington is. We'll be right back.